This message is brought to you by IOM America and the International Fellowship of Exchange Life. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I am your ministry host. We hope that the Lord blesses you today as you listen to our podcast. Our message today is titled Reconciliation, Seeking Forgiveness. Last week we talked about extending forgiveness. That message can be found, of course, on any of our download pages. And uh, our media website has everything from audio messages. Last week we started adding our videos. And so we got the podcast. We have the written articles about it. We have the PowerPoint message slide presentation because there's many pastors and teachers that are actually using our PowerPoint presentation that you're looking at this morning. We're trying to make this as multipliable as we possibly can. So no matter where you are, if you have obviously access to uh, computer world, um, this is going to make it very easy for you. I want to say thank you for your entrepreneurship, for you pastors that are using your smartphones to have classes about some of our podcasts, reading the notes. So this is exciting. So thank you for doing what you can to get these messages out. Please make them your own. Please do your own sermon notes so that these messages can become yours. They don't belong to us. We don't have any copyright over them. We're saying get it out, get it out as far and as fast as you can. So we welcome you, our online listeners. And number 10 of the Identity Series is Reconciliation Seeking Forgiveness. If anyone has anything against us, we must go and seek forgiveness. And it's a vital part of the Christian life. Why? Because it actually demonstrates what Christ did for us. So, Western theology has put such an emphasis upon door knocking where you go up to someone's door, you knock on their door, they open the door, and you have this little brochure or tract that says, have you made the personal discovery of Jesus Christ? We are so used to being the one who advances that as long as we are the ones advancing, the Holy Spirit will not advance upon us. Don't ever forget that. Energy requires motion. Motion requires one party to submit. So as long as you are self-efforting things, the Holy Spirit will stay silent in your life. So the key for we need to use today of unlocking this message is what we're about to talk about must be done by the Holy Spirit working through you or you are going to find all kinds of problems. Going to people who hate you is very, very difficult. Going to people that potentially could hurt you is very dangerous. Most of us Americans, when we talk about going and seeking forgiveness from someone, it's usually because they said a bad word to us. It's usually because they forgot our birthday. It's usually because they, they frowned at us the last time we looked at them. That's the American version of seeking forgiveness from the church. But when we start talking about the really difficult reasons for seeking forgiveness, um, we have what we call a blow-by taking place with the church in America. Probably churches all over the world. So we need to take a look at these details very carefully. But, before we do that, I need some Hebrew kids. So here's what we have. We have Shemek, which is those funny looking symbols there that you see are actually sketchings of trees. 
And the modern picture that you see there is a tree with a prop, a stick up against it to hold it up. And then you have lemon, which is uh, a staff. And the reason why the staff is upside down is because that is actually the way to use a staff. It's a hook. The shepherds would hook the uh, necks of the sheep and pull them with it. And then when they were in non-use, they would tip them upside down and hold them like typically our pictures show them. But that's why they're upside down. And then yud is actually the arm with the open hand. That's yud. So as you remember, the Hebrew alphabet is just pictures of common stuff. And then he is this guy standing to hold his hands and it's to reveal but there is one illustration that is used that is used by most people and that's the window. Lift up the window to reveal. Alright, now let's put all this together. We have the propped tree which means support, twist slowly, or turn. And what that is is that prop is actually stopping that tree from twisting in the wind. That's what's being communicated here. And then Lemid is to us as an upside down staff and that's control, authority, the tongue. And the reason why you want to take that hook and hook that sheep's neck and pull it close to you is so you can speak to him. Then Yud is to work. This is what, this is where we get our work is from obviously the arm and the hand. And then to reveal we have twice and the reason why we have it twice for forgiveness is because of the definition. The definition is to turn toward authority to make the reveal. Now that may not be profound to you, but it is very significant to me. Here's how most people do forgiveness is we very privately don't tell anyone how we have hurt someone by our reactions or maybe you're the first one to sin. So it's a very private matter. And we don't reveal the things to our authority that's supervising us. And we take care of everything without that direct connect. That is not real forgiveness. Not according to the Hebrew or the Greek. To, to actually process forgiveness, it must involve the authority above you. It must. Because they are watching to make sure all the dots and tittles are taken care of. They're making sure that everything is done the way it needs to be done biblically to preserve you. But things come back on us week after week, year after year, is because we don't turn toward the authority to actually make sure we get this cleaned up. It's an independent thing, classic for Western civilization. Everything's done without authority. This is Hebrew. When we take a look at the actual Greek, here's what we... Uh, come up with. The Greek is to grant freedom, pardon, deliverance, and of course, what does Greek do? Uses the same word to define itself. Very similar to what the Latin does. The Latin is even a little more creative than the Greek, actually. They actually give you the word within the word to help you define it. And then liberty and remission. R-E dash mission. Gives you another gives you a second chance at your mission. So now when we put these together, here's what we have. To grant freedom, deliverance, and remission through the turning to authority, Christ, to make known the reveal of liberty. Okay, if what I just said gave you one single thought, 
well that's Finney's opinion or that's not really that necessary to involve my spiritual authority let's just assume you really believe that I want to show you something anyone who is a parent that sees and or kind of hears that their child is reconciling with the neighbor how many of you would raise your hand today and say I don't need to know those details well you would be you would be beyond acting as a fool that is setting your child up for some very dangerous dialogues with anyone if you train them to do this independently of the parents. Part of protection is supervision. Part of supervision is having a supervisor. Part of us being a supervisor is having a spiritual parent. And so I don't know why outside of sin, which we can label that with anything, but I don't know why it is so hard for the people in the Western world to get that peace. We literally raise our children to be kidnapped, to be run into the neighbor's house, and we're, we're, we assume things are okay, and then we have to have ministries that cost millions of dollars every year to rescue our children being kidnapped. Because we don't believe in this. Our society says it's overprotection. I don't think your average person wants anyone meddling in their affairs. I'm not asking the janitor at the establishment next door to get involved in your daily affairs. I'm talking about your spiritual parents. I'm talking about your pastor. Please, folks, be listening to me. No matter where you are, you need your pastor to be involved in these reconciliations or Satan can turn it, twist it through the blowing of the wind. And your pastor, your spiritual parents, won't even know about it. They can't pray over you. They can't pray against the offender or with the... They can't do anything. What happens is your spiritual authority becomes the person they confess to after the fact. You see, when you're getting advice on the front end, there's preservation. And then if you, if you were independent, the way to preserve it again is to get advice through the reconciliation. So if it does get twisted, if the tree does get twisted because your prop is not in place, the prop, the 2x4, the 2x10 that's pushed up against that tree is your authority. They're the ones that will hold you up as you do this most difficult task. Now let's take a look at this in a picture form. These diagrams, as you know, hopefully know by now, is you can find them on the same site that you got the podcast. Click on PowerPoint and you'll have these diagrams available and you have our, permit, our permission to print them, to forward them in emails or whatever way you'd like to reproduce this but please keep the authors intact on these diagrams. So forgiveness and the cross. Here's person one and you have person two, whoever that is. You have God you have the blood of Jesus Christ which actually provides us the power to do this. There's actually power in blood. Now we learned through Old Testament studies that there's identity in blood. We learn in modern day science that there's identity in blood through DNA. So therefore, if this is done without going through the identity of Jesus Christ, it's going to backfire on you. Because you have no power. And if that person decides to be abusive, to reject you and what you're saying, uh, you'll begin to falter and the enemy could actually seize control like 
even beyond what the original offense was. The only way to make a wound worse, if I get cut accidentally by my fishing knife and I don't take care of that wound properly and I keep bumping it, infection. If I don't take care of the infection, what's going to end up happening? Gangrene. I lost my sister this way. And if you don't take care of the gangrene, what's going to happen? You die or you lose that limb. This is actually the illustration that is used in the scriptures. If a limb is lame, that is talked about in Hebrews, stop. Go take care of it and then move on. Because that irresponsibility of, a, of an original wound, and it keeps getting bumped because you bump into people who are like your dad or your brother or that friend, and you're just constantly bumped, it'll slowly but for surely turn to gangrene and you could lose that limb. This is the scriptural illustration that's being given to us. Now, this is sowing to the flesh. Zero means... This is the ground zero where the offense occurs. So when that offense occurs, this could be day two, or week two, or year two. And it gets darker each year, each week, each day, that you do nothing about it. The wound starts to show problems. Most men are so arrogant that they don't take care of wounds right away and they usually wait until there's problems. Because we do have this thinking that all oh, it'll be okay. And we don't do the proper dressing from the very initial wounding in order to preserve us. And that's what we're talking about here with this offense. So unreconciled conflicts end up reaping darker and darker consequences or manifestations like withdrawal, depression, outbursts of anger, fear, anxiety, sleeplessness, obsessive thoughts, drug abuse, guilt feelings, and there's a list of about 315,000 other items you can put on there. Satan is very creative with manifestations or ramifications. He doesn't care if it's that list or if it's a creative list from someone else or somewhere else. He just wants you trapped. He wants you sowing what you're reaping, but you say, this person has hurt me. But there's a story I told you last week by my father's one wounding on me. My disciple is able to list 18 things out from me. One sin always demands more sins for the reaction. Right here. Mine was 18 just on his one sin. So in the end, if you really want to use the logic of, well, I'm going to wait until they come to me, and if Jesus did step in on that great day of despair of judgment, you lose. If he really went numerically accordingly to sins, we would lose. Just withdrawing from the person's a sin. That's just the first sin. Then not speaking to them. Then trying to put them out of our minds 24 hours a day. And then, and then, and then, and year after year after year, it's bringing this monstrous list of offenses to their one sin. The previous diagram, if you look at the sin being dealt with through the identity and the power of the blood of Christ, by the time it gets to the other person, it does the same thing that Christ did with you by dying on the cross for you. It's gone. It's washed. So when you go to talk to them, it doesn't bother you. It's, not, it's done. Not that you won't remember it and have twinges of that pain, but it is done. Now this is sowing to the spirit. You have to start in a very dark place. 
to go to that person and and I mean it's just the worst time in your mind to go to that person because everything is dark the consequences are enormous the whatever story details you can put into this block it's just darkness it's a dark place to start but that's where you must start and you start sowing to the spirit every day so you extend forgiveness to that person in your mind 24 hours a day and what will happen is it will lighten that load more and more every day then if you go to them and say hey I was wrong for the following items without bringing up their sin and you go through that list and say I was wrong for would you please forgive me I was wrong for will you please forgive me I was wrong for will you please forgive me Here's what we're doing. We are reconciling past and new conflicts because they may be doing that very sin on us while we're going through the process. It's very common. That rejection, that, that look of I don't care about you, that look of, you know, to some people describe as almost a death look, a murder. I would just don't want to deal with you. Just get out of my life. Why are you here doing this? You're getting it again. But if you're trained to start there and extend forgiveness instantly, seek forgiveness instantly, what's going to happen ultimately is you're going to reap life. And when you get into your eighth year, your 80th year, your eighth day, your, when you get down the road with this thing, you will be communicating to this person an orderly life godly responses loving others responding with the mind of Christ being peace at all costs with resolution freedom from feeling guilty confidence in Christ not your self life Christ centered relationships and inner security with the inner life of Christ that's what you're giving them while they're doing this every single time you're with them they're just smacking you around with their rejection that's just part of the problem if you go in to a reconciliation without having your prop your authority you're gonna get in in there and you're gonna start breaking down things are gonna go bad then you have to turn around and announce to your spiritual father or mother that things are going bad there's nothing the spiritual parent can do for you at this point but oil the slide and bring you to the bottom. That's what comes with being independent. Things go bad. And then the authority figure is supposed to come in and clean up all the pieces. But that's an irresponsible authority figure. The ramifications become the greatest teacher when the student will not allow the teacher to be the teacher. It's a parenting skill one Oh, one. Why do you homeschool? Those of you that do, because you don't want other people teaching your children things that you don't want them to be taught. <laughs> then why are we training our children to be independent and to go next door to find leadership? It does not go hand in hand. This is powerful, it works and it's eternal what is bound on earth is bound in heaven what is released on earth is released in heaven quote unquote you think that you by you holding on to a grudge and not reconciling with someone is an earthy thing you're gonna have this baby revisited someday we get the privilege of seeing what got bound in heaven and what got released in heaven nothing is more important to Jesus Christ than relationships the offender you as the offended or in the story that was given to us this morning she was the uh, offender and her sister was the offended it really doesn't matter the process works the same way but if you're the offended your list is longer I mean seriously do you really believe what I'm saying that the offended list is longer 
Because if you're just sitting there going, well, that's an interesting perspective and you don't agree with this, you're not going to do with anything with this after today. You have to believe that one point. I am more guilty than the person that offended me. If you can't walk away with that, then what's the point? Well, the offender seeks forgiveness from the offended the offended extends forgiveness so that this brother can be reconciled with brother or sister with sister and there can be now the opportunity for restoration. And I, being a discipler, will say this. I believe the number one reason why that after I call, text, email a spiritual you know, disciple and say you need to you need to hand out more details. You need to contact. You need to let me know when you're walking into that front line. You need to whatever. And there's constant independence and isolation. They need to know one simple thing. Independence breeds a reflection of Satan. And if you, th if you think I'm pulling your leg on this, then you need to get into the Word you need to understand what discipleship is. Discipleship is turning a person into the likeness of the teacher. Well, the teacher is Jesus Christ. You see? That's the goal. So you won't even need me anymore. But if it's constant, I have my own Jesus inside me thing, well, well what can the discipler do with this? Nothing. So therefore, we have pastors preaching every Sunday or Saturday night <coughs> endlessly on topics, and people leave just as messed up as when they arrived. I won't do it. It's not right. This is critical. Absolutely critical. And my, what I believe is the number one reason why independents do not like to share those kinds of details is because they're going to be told restoration requirements that they don't want to do. Remember when I told you the story my disciple said, you better take a pocket full of cash because you're, after this reconciliation is done, you're going to tell this guy at the gas station that you'll pay every penny back. Matthew 5. Stay with me on this. Matthew 5, the passage that we've been preaching out of for two weeks, says this. After the brother thing, here's what Jesus says. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him along the way. Well, when you're going and seeking forgiveness from him, you're with him. Then it says make friends with him quickly. Well, that's not all. Make friends quickly with him on the way in order that your opponent may not deliver you to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I, Jesus Christ, say to you, you shall not come out of there until you pay up every last cent. See, we're not into reconciliation so you can walk away without having guilt. God's into restoration, payment. He's going to clear the consequences of your sins eternally so that you can go to the person and say, Sir, I have $350 in my pocket and I think that would cover what I stole from you as a child. Well, he wouldn't accept it. He said, give it to the church. So, that's restoration. That's finishing this whole reconciliation. So that he could go to his grave knowing what real reconciliation and restoration looks like. I don't have stories of what he said about that event, but I'm pretty certain he probably told people about it. Carries on. Seeking forgiveness. It says in Matthew 5 that we have been reading about is this brother who has supposedly something against you. So now, seeking forgiveness is honestly seeing 
how I hurt another person by my words and actions. Or even no words. Silence is very offensive. Then I go to that person to say I was wrong for what I did and ask that person to forgive you. Before I need to forgive anything, I'm holding against that person. That has to be done in prayer through that extending forgiveness process we talked about last week. Here's 11 keys. Number one, examine, re-examine what seeking forgiveness is not. One of the things that, that we need to remember is saying I'm sorry is not seeking forgiveness. Saying I apologize is really the cheap way out. Saying to someone, I was wrong. And then I've had several people I have discipled are so precise in the way they do it that it really hurts even to hear it. And that is they say, I have sinned before you and against you. Remember the prodigal son story that Jesus himself told? And the prodigal son comes back and he says, quote unquote, I have sinned before you and my heavenly father. That's the cleanest, most accurate way to do it. I have sinned. But we will accept those who want a little lighter way to say it. And that is, I was wrong. Now, I'm going to say at this point, of another wrong way to do it is to train your children up with a water gun to their head. And you say, say you're sorry to your brother. You hold them at gunpoint to make them reconcile. You are actually training your children up to lie. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can bring a person to the point of saying, I was wrong. So when the parent clearly lays out the pathway of how this is done, is mommy's going to wait until you come and say how you were wrong or how you sinned against your brother. And you as a mother or father can double check on whether they're ready for the next two, three, four, five months over spilt milk. I don't care what the sin is. The sin doesn't matter. It's the process. It's what you're training them to do. So when they grow up, they don't remember the water gun to their head. They actually remember, I need to step back and re-examine what real forgiveness is here. You've trained your children up to be hearing Christ in you, the mind of Christ in you. Instead of, oh, the water gun's up my head, I've got to go say I'm sorry. And they're in their 30s. That's cheap doctrines. It's demonic doctrines. Satan loves fake reconciliations because they don't do anything eternally. Exactly. I can train my dog to... Follow me, stay at my side, lay down, bark. I can train my dog to do a lot of wonderful things and give you the impression I am a great master. That's Satan. He's a dog trainer. He loves getting people to jump through hoops and look like they have a wonderful life. And the truth being said, they're being forced to be good. So no one can see through the fact that they are workaholics in Christ Jesus. In other words, they're legalistic. Number two, allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. This, is, this comes out in parenting too. Don't just look at this as adults. You need time to allow, help to let the Holy Spirit search that child's heart. Unsaved children, unsaved adults... I never expect them to say I was wrong. Their whole life is wrong. There is a book out that we are presently checking on. Jane is reading it, but everything she has shared with me, clearly, and it's a parenting book, but it clearly uses this model in training children. 
how do you get the gospel in this moment where you your flesh wants them to fix the fix it's got fixed on them to get them fixed right now so that you don't have to constantly fix them instead of doing that it is allowing the Holy Spirit to bring them to conviction then you finish it well as parents that's too much work so the offense should be clear to the other person they shouldn't be guessing so you're going to have to nail down just enough details without talking about their sin. Just enough details to say, you remember when we had that conflict and I separated from you, I withdrew, I yelled at you, whatever. Then they go, yeah, I remember that. Then get on your list. Number four, respond quickly, ideally. And if you're eight years too late when you're doing it and they're hurting you again while you're doing it, respond quickly. Don't take it away for another eight years. Don't walk away going, I knew this wasn't going to work. That's called, if you remember correctly, throwing a fit. Children of fits come from parents of fits. That's how it's trained into the child and that's how they become this adult. It's a simple principle. Don't walk away from conflict. So number five, review the offense clearly. Not their sin. Your response. But if you're the one who actually did the offending initially, then that's what you're clearly stating. Remember when I blah, blah, blah. Number six is rehearse only as, as much details as necessary. I believe the more difficult and dramatic the offense was on you or you to them, it needs to be rehearsed a bit with your spiritual supervisor, your spiritual parent. Okay, here's kind of what I'm thinking. Now, I, was thinking I was thinking about saying this and here's my list and whatever. Well, that spiritual parent could actually look at that list and go, no. No, because if you say that, you are kind of jabbing them at the same time. Scratch through that one. That's why that spiritual authority is important for you. Many people who do not truly extend forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ are really covertly wanting the other person to feel guilty, and that's why they're going. You did this to me and I have forgiven you. And I've heard people come to me in discipleship and say, Hey, I called Bob and said that I forgave him. I have no clue what you're even talking about. You've been carrying it around for eight years. And Bob is saying, What are you talking about? Who looks like the grudge carrier? Okay, and then number seven is reject any defense, excuses, or blame. Yeah, we don't want to blame, right? I know. Do you, want, do you want to preach to the next one? Okay, number eight. Quickly move to I was wrong. Or actually, I have sinned against you. This, this, I think, as you probably have guessed, is the most difficult one. And if you're nervous, you're feeling under pressure, you're going to push it farther and farther and farther away. It is absolutely the most critical one. It's your whole goal. So don't push it down the road. Keep these in check so you can get to this as soon as possible. Throw terms away like apologize. I'm sorry is only when you're crying. Can you say that? So just say I was wrong. And if you're crying while you're saying, you say, I was wrong for whatever, and say, I am really sorry. But don't forget this piece. It's confession of sin. Number nine, pray for the right timing to do this. Number ten, is strive to do this in person whenever possible, unless there are sexual offenses. Do not, do not do this in person. And do not do it without your spiritual parent. It's critical.
Number 11, don't write letters unless there's really no other way to do this. And sometimes that is the case. Comments or questions on the list of, se of 11 keys. If you saw that, that child trip another child and by, even by your own observation it was accidental and there, there are no reconciliation points on that. So then you train the child, don't just accidentally trip someone and go on with life, go back and serve them. Help them pick up their books, help them, you know, that's, that's your points of ministry. There is no reconciliation there. Throw the, th I think sorry is a bad word. It's a bad American word. So, unless you're crying, because that's what it means, an expression of sorrow. I mean, how many parents do you, do you see them just kind of get that look on their face when their kid's going, I'm sorry. And the parent's going, he's lying. This isn't true, because it doesn't accomplish anything. But to say, I have sinned before you, or I am wrong. Then the person gets to ask the question, well, how are you wrong? See where it leads? Then tell them the list. Okay, I, I know you're going with this, and I don't necessarily support that. I think it's the water gun to the head with kids. The best way for parents to show reconciliation is by demonstrating it. No, I don't think so. I think children are designed by God to replicate what they see in their parents. It's in them. It's going to happen. And, but not talking to the, your children and addressing them is also a sin. It's negligence. But forcing them to do something in rote because you're teaching them how to do it, I think is an excuse flesh. It's fake. It's, it's fake spirituality and it's fake. The, the, biggest, the biggest fruit is all of a sudden you notice them reconciling. Because you're demonstrating. You're going to them saying, honey, daddy was wrong for being frustrated or angry with you. Whatever the sin was, honey, would you please forgive me? See, we're supposed to do that to unsaved people. We're supposed to do that to our enemy. And so, and then the, the parents waiting for, for the yes or no. And if they're hemming and hawing around and do the gray zone, which is where evil is, then it's the parent's job to fine tune it and say, just give daddy a yes, you forgive me, or no, you do not. That's how it's done. It's not you do it, and then they watch you do the opposite. That destroys a child. Then you wait. For seven years. Yes. You tell me a time when Christ held you up against the wall and said you will go to your husband and you will seek his forgiveness for whatever. It's not going to happen. He's not even going to send an angel to do it. Will he ever put you up against that wall going, you will do this? Because if your heart's not ready then you'll do it to get the leader off your back. The, the emotions doesn't really have anything to do with it. What it, The significant point is a confession of the heart. I know I offended my husband and then all the pieces come together. You know what to go to him about. You know you won't bring up his sin and whatever. Demonstration for parents is where this is done, not obligation. Okay, now listen to this story very, very carefully. This is a four-year-old, as lost as a doorknob, and here's how she handles it. You apply the Old Testament. It's, it's plain and simple. They did that. You'd, you'd use whatever discipline model you have, you know, attacked in your home. It's done in love. It's done in gentleness. You explain to them what it is that they did wrong. All that is still intact. It's forcing them to go and reconcile when they come out of the bathroom. That's bad. It means nothing. It just means you're teaching your children to lie. So we are a mess today as a Western church because of what we're talking about. We all walk around fake. 
we keep details hidden, we do, we, it's just created this massive mush because we are forced to do the right thing only when you get caught. So it's a mess and it has to stop and the way we stop it is by stopping ourselves from forcing reconciliation. Parents can revisit offenses as often as Jesus Christ comes to me and says, Steve, are you ready to go to that brother yet? No. He can handle a no. He can handle a yes. It's the shrugging the shoulder business like, what's the point here? Can't we like get this over with? We are a McDonald's church. We want to go in, do it, get it, we're done. Let's go to the next meal. And God's like, I don't work that way. I'm a long-suffering God. Yes, he will let an offense go on and on and on and on all the way through that child's childhood until he gets with a discipler in Denver, Colorado at 29 or whatever age I was and have some disciple say, now go back. Well, that's not McDonald's. That's long-suffering. But when, it went, when I went back, it was authentic, it was real, it was tearful, and as you guys already know, it led my, my father to Christ. That's the goal. It's not fixing your children and making them do it all right. It's the gospel. It's love. Yeah, one, one of the things that we as now grandparents, and we look back on our mistakes, our sins as parents, and one of the things that we have brought up to each other on multiple occasions, and that is when we forced you girls on the couch to hold hands. We believe that was one of the worst things we did to you. Because it was forcing bonding, it was forcing love, it was forcing whatever. So it put you girls in a position, hey, I know my way around this. When I'm around mom and dad, it's smiles and obedience. And when I'm away from my parents, it is be myself. And we did that as parents. And we refused to put a permission on that anymore. It's just not right. It's not even what we were teaching. Okay, we have to finish this. Here's our form that, uh, that we make use of, maybe, if it pops up here. You just list it out as simple as this. I was wrong for you. Fill in the blank. Uh, for pushing for truth, threatening, blah, 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 blah. You just list it out. Take that list to your pastor. Take that list to your husband. Take that list to your spiritual parent. Take that list to someone and have them check it twice to see who really is naughty or nice here. Get it checked. Then once that list is cleaned up, then you can actually go to the Lord and have this put on the Lord's feet by confessing it as your part in the offense. Then you can go to the person and say, I was wrong for. You do one item at a time. You wait for them to say yes or no. You go to number two, yes or no. Number three, yes or no. Do not go down the list and say, do you forgive me? Because there can be four items on this list that they, they are still heavily wounded by. One at a time. If they hesitate... You put a check to the left of the number. Don't push them. Don't push for truth. Just stop if they're hesitating. You just, and, then you, and then you go, it's okay, we'll revisit that one later. The next one I have done to hurt, and then you go to the next one. If they say no, you put an N by the number. So that is a direct answer to your question, will you forgive me? They are deeply wounded by that one. The hesitation ones is, they're wounded, but they're not quite sure they want to admit to it. One at a time, no matter how long your list is. The offender needs to listen to the other person's hurts, needs, and desires prayerfully and practically care for the other person their very life go out of his or her way to demonstrate, demonstrate I am trustworthy, make restitution, we already ta talked about that, and go over and above and beyond in blessing them 
in material ways, relational ways, and spiritual ways. What is the proof of someone coming to you and saying, hey, I forgive you? Seriously, what's the proof? They'll serve you. Or you'll serve them. That's the proof. I can go tons of scripture of Jesus doing the exact same thing. He forgave his disciples who were constantly failing him. And what did he do? He not only served them food, he washes their feet. That's the evidence. This is our, our Matthew passage again. And finishing with that Matthew passage is when you come the second time with your offering and you have made this beautiful reconciliation, if it's double way, two way uh, reconciliation, you'll, you'll have restoration. If it's one way, and they're just kind of like this, whatever, 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 and they're just lying to you one point after the next, who cares? R really, <laughs> who cares? What matters is you did what God asked you to do. That's what matters. Now, if you get honesty back, oh, I care about that. But lies, I expect lies. Because they're doorknobs. And if they're Christians, I expect the enemy to mess with them. You see what I mean? We want to thank you for listening in on our podcast today. This message comes to you by way of a podcast feed from Heartland Family Fellowship, a family-integrated church, which is an outreach of IOM America, right here in Sterling, Kansas. For more information about our church or international ministry, log on to www.iomamerica.org. And if you would like to connect to our fellowship, log on to www. HeartlandFellowships.org It's our prayer that the mind of Christ in you draws you into a deeper walk with Him.